Hello, and thank you for joining us on The Light Inside. I am your host, soulful business and leadership coach, Jeffrey Biesecker. The average human being spends roughly 60,000 thoughts a day shaping and forming their world. And often, very sadly, a large majority of those thoughts are negatively aligned. And statistically, many of them are repetitive. The Buddha said, what you think you become, what you feel you attract, and what you imagine you create. Our thoughts and our actions contain the energy of the universe. How we wear that energy determines every step of our course, every path we follow in this life and in the worlds we come to experience and know for ourselves and for others. Our guest, Kiri Ann Fournier, shares this talk about the universal power of energy and how energy influences the way we act because it forms the lens through which we perceive the world. How we choose to see that world so often becomes the reality we live and the experiences we create. Join us today as we learn how to play with your perception of that worldview and shift how your energy aligns within it. On this very insightful and thought-provoking episode of The Light Inside. Voting isn't just about going to the polls on election day anymore. Options like early voting, mail-in voting, and ballot drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot, empowering you to decide when and where you vote, making your vote count. Democracy works best when we all vote. But misinformation and confusion about election procedures have resulted in low voter turnout. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, takes the guesswork out of the voting process. How to Vote is easy to use and helps folks from all over the country overcome many of the process barriers to voting. Democracy Works is committed to helping you vote, no matter what. Their tool to vote does just that. But remember, when you practice safe social distancing, you can still vote at the polls. But you can also take the following actions at How to Vote, ensuring you avoid any confusion and voting miscounts this election cycle. Sign up for election reminders, see what's on your ballot, get step-by-step assistance requesting your mail ballot, explore your options for returning your voted mail ballot, check your voter registration status, find your polling site, and make sure you have the appropriate ID when you go to visit How to Vote. Decide when and where you'll vote this election year at howto.vote, making sure your vote counts. Joining us this episode for a discussion about the universal power of energy is CEO and founder of Vibrant Ventures. She is executive and corporate coach, Carrie Ann Fournier. Hello, Carrie Ann, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> awesome. How are you doing in this uh, Twilight Zone episode we're all living in? 
fantastic. <laughs> I'm rolling with the punches. I'm trying to keep that energy level up above it. <laughs> I think like the nature of a podcast is sort of very externally focused and curious. Yes. Right? Because And so from an yes. energetic perspective, it's hard to mope and sort of put your head in a hole. Oh, yeah. If your whole nature is sort of thinking external and it's sort of a seeker. So I think that's probably serving you really well. It's been interesting because we have had so many unique and unusual perspectives when that subject has come up. I think I've only really had one real experience where I ran into a guest that was really obviously struggling with the weight of that. Yeah. And I think he he was one of those situations where he kind of allowed himself to be kind of befuddled and buried by it. I'll be honest, a lot of high-performing folks I know, particularly in the first month, two months of this, were stuck in ways they had never been in their entire life. It was almost like their motherboard yes, yes, ripped out. From, it was so multidimensional. And then they felt embarrassed <laughs> about being like that because they'd always like just grind through it. It's been really interesting, the folks who've yes. been hit by this in very different ways. I think it actually opens up a lot of possibilities. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it's that whole mindset game of how are you framing things? And I've always typically been a creature of change by nature. Yeah, me too. You know, I'm the guy that's let's push the envelope and see how we can bend this till it breaks, yeah. which can be nerve wracking in and of itself. Like, is this a manic compulsion? Is this healthy? I know I've asked myself that. I'm the same way. I'm like, why do I keep jumping into the deep end of the pool? Yeah. So to me, it was another day in the life. And I realized we each experience things on different levels. It allowed me to come from a space of empathy and service and say, how can I help others navigate this change? Absolutely. That are in a battle or a struggle with it. And this podcast launched literally right at the head of all that. Two weeks ahead of actually starting the wheels in motion, and I did my first three or four interviews in that first two weeks, which was interesting. Yeah. We kind of danced around it for about a month worth of interviews, but I've since kind of said, okay, I'm over with this. Let's move on and worry about the bigger picture because that's where our change comes from. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations for keeping it going in the midst of all this stuff. That's not meant to be a pat on my back, but it's perspective and filter. No, yeah. but it's good. But I mean, I'll tell you, having talking to so many people, it's it's not necessarily common. Yes. So it's uh, you know, it's okay to you know pat yourself on the back for well deserved. Yeah, yeah. You you gotta leverage and frame those tools that are given to you. Sometimes the tools aren't the best. So that's the perspective I've come in, and that's a monumental mind shift and life shift that I've created over the last three years for myself from coming from battling with a lot of energy demons within myself and the way I presented myself as a leader, the way I presented myself in the world, the way I approached my relationships was very broken. So going forth, it's all about creating that energy that brings light. Love it. Well, let's look at that angle. I know that is a big proponent of what your program does. I love to just chat. I'm not a wallflower, and I have so much different angles I both tackle this at. So I'm (laughs) more jazz than Mozart when it comes to conversations on this stuff. So I love this. Let's take a look at talking about the secret power of energy. That's a big proponent in what you do and how you relate with your programming. Let's look at the fact that energy influences how we act, when that creates a lens through which we perceive the entire world, everything flows from that. 
let's just start in and look at your thoughts and your angles on energy and how that affects the livelihood we create. Absolutely. So I love the fact, one of the things that really drew me to your podcast was this framing of energy. That's because awesome, when I chose though. a program to get certified as a high-performance coach, I chose the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, IPAC. Yes. They're one of the top two global firms that you get certified by. It's well over a year. And the reason why it's not just some weekend thing, there's a deep framework entirely based on energy. Now, it's yes. funny. It sounds kind of woo to some people, but I'll be honest. The framework is so clear that my like classic hardcore left brain wiring people, Wall Street technologists, entrepreneurs, they get it. They immediately understand how to rethink how they're interacting. And so the construct is really, you know, at its highest level is framed, there's seven levels of energy, and they're really framed from two different types of energy types. We're going to sound a little bit like science class, but it's really easy, right? So we look like we're back in grade science, catabolic and anabolic. Okay, so anabolic energy is that really inspiring, forward-moving, feel like you're in flow. It just feels really, really good. Think about someone, Jeff, that you know, that even before you meet them, lights you up. And after you meet them, you're vibrating that you had such a good conversation. Does someone come to mind? Yeah, yeah. And we're living our best life when we're in that frame. That's when we're jazzed and flowing. Yeah, those are people who really have a lot of anabolic energy. Now, on the contrary, catabolic energy. Unfortunately, people can usually say a lot of people that relate to this are in their lives, but they're really the draining. It's like the wet energy. (laughs) They just drag you down. They stress you out. You can see their name come up on your phone and you're like, oh God, here it comes. And they just take a lot out of you, this kind of catabolic energy. So do you have people in your life that you just know stuff the life out of you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have one particular occurrence that kind of set this whole thought train in motion with me. It was a work situation project I was involved with, and there was a team oh, yeah. of that kind of energy. Let's put that out there. There was a team, a couple of people with that kind of energy that co-orchestrated it together. Yeah. And there was one particular incident that led me to this thought that don't allow your negative energy to be a black eye on your entire day. Absolutely. That place of choice is where the power comes from. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, because what people don't realize is just a little bit of this catabolic energy can drag down their entire energy. It's almost like cayenne pepper in the wrong recipe. It just kind of overwhelms it, right? So, yeah, what I love to work with my clients on is that the flip is true. So if a little bit of this catabolic negative energy drags you down, releasing just a little bit actually can transform you. So a lot of times people feel that this long, arduous task years of therapy or years, not necessarily. I've had clients that within one session, getting very clear on something that was really not serving them and releasing it and replacing it, they're like, wow, that completely shifted for me what was possible. And that's what's great about it. And, you know, even in that catabolic space, it's different, right? It's different for different people. Like it's that classic fight or flight. There are some people when they get in that place, they're like the classic ostrich head in the hole. They just get to such a victim mentality. They're almost unable to move. They're unable to go forward. Now, the opposite of that though, and I'm ex-Wall Street strategy consulting, it's the real conflict folks. The folks who are like, judgment, judgment, judgment. I'm right, you're wrong. 
everything's black and white and that's exhausting. So, you know, people tend to toggle sort of between those two areas when they get triggered and distressed. And I think what most people don't realize is there's choices. That's not necessarily where they need to stay. I mean, all of us are going to have a stress trigger. We're all at some point going to go there. It's natural. We're human. The question is, how often do we get triggered and how long do we stay there? And the more self-aware you become, like, I love what you said. You realized it was affecting you. And then you said, I don't have to stay here and I'm going to choose to do something different. What was the epiphany for you? I'm just kind of curious as far as where all of a sudden it wasn't just your day, but did you have a moment or a reason where you realized this is something I can do about it? Oh, it was a combination avalanche of watching coworkers and employees falling apart because of it, watching that reaction and how that created the chaos and turmoil from my perspective and and my working in control of it as a leader, it was watching how that affected all my relationships. Yep. And those were the key points when I saw those acts kind of creating that destructive avalanche where I said, you know, this is the breakdown enough's enough, enough things broke. Yes. Where you stop and say, I can't continue like this anymore if I value anybody or anything in my life. Yep. It's that classic breakdown. Yes. All too often, like that's the catalyst that forces us to finally look at something different because it's just not sustainable. And in fact, to some degree, that's been the pandemic for a lot of folks. It's been so overwhelming. It's deconstructed what they thought they could do and how they could tie it through some of this catabolic energy and their tricks and tools to kind of push it to the side and bury it just don't work anymore. And so for me, as stressful, I understand as this process and this period has been, I really do see that there's an opportunity now because those tricks and tools aren't working. And so I've seen a huge shift in people saying, I need to find new tools and techniques that will. And doing more of the same will only make it worse. And once again, in arenas that perhaps they kind of read about the importance of mindfulness and they read about IQ, EQ, but they weren't really compelled to say, how do I apply it? What do I do about it? And that I've seen an enormous shift in the last three months because, I mean, what I say about all the time is mindfulness isn't the sidecar of high performing. It's literally interwoven into high performance. It's the accelerator to high performance. You know, there's an excellent TEDx talk out there by a gentleman named Anthony Medivere. And the talk is basically centered on the fact that there are two easily remembered questions that silence our negative thoughts. Are these thoughts useful? Yep. And how do my thoughts behave? Yep. Absolutely. Because those thoughts take on that energy of the action we put into them. Absolutely. And then feed back to how we react, how we go out into the world, how we then begin to sow the seeds of our energy. Yeah, I mean, it sets up. I mean, basically, it's the frame for what you see possibility as. So the classic, you know, mind theory is your thoughts, whether you're aware of them or not. You had a great example where you became aware create our emotions, like what really we're experiencing. And it's our emotions that then create the framework for what we see as possibility and how we act. And in that victim example, it's actually how we can't act. We become, we're in inaction. And what's great about what he talks about, it's not a question of right or wrong, good or bad, because then we get back into that catabolic cycle. The question is always, 
does it serve you? Yes. Because of course there are times being in conflict and, you know, listen, I'm a redhead. I get feisty. <laughs> you know, I mean, getting, leading into that conflict orientation done with intention and in the right proportion is of service to me. But if I were to stay there all the time in inappropriate things, that would not serve me. Yes. So really um, kind of going back and saying, how is this serving me? If not, what else is possible? And so, yeah, I mean, that's the fun journey with my clients is to really help them frame out not just the self-awareness of this isn't working, but then what can I play with? What else, you know, might work yes. for me? It's interesting to look at how that interacts with others. So often we look at our relationships as being in a relationship with the people in our lives. Technically, when we look at it, we aren't in anything. We are in relationship to the people in our lives. And how we relate is what really matters. Yes. That's the energy. Yeah, it's the lens. Yes. Exactly. It's the lens by which <laughs> we see. It's like that classic rose-colored glasses. Yes. And I use a lot of lean into humor because my clients can usually take it. But, you know, there's people walking around with, like, crap-colored glasses. <laughs> I mean, everything is just crap. You know, hey, what would it look like if you had bright, sunny, and not to be, and that's not to be Pollyanna. Yes. The is sometimes flowing your perception through other vantage points helps you see that there's not just one way of being. And the replacement, like, you know, I said, a, a number of my clients are pretty intense and many of them have that pretty conflict to start with, some conflict orientation, how they address things. And how do you shift from judgment? How, first of all, it's noticing. So one of my absolute, and it's hilarious, actually, I asked them to do a judgment journal. And all of your listeners, I challenge you to do this. It's actually pretty fun. You can commit to a day, a couple of days. I've had folks do it for a week. Get a journal and write down, notice everything that you're judging about. You can do shorthand about yourself, about the environment, about other people. I mean, everything. And let me tell you, we are all wired this way. Don't judge yourself for being judgmental because that just gets you back there. You will fill up a notebook. We all do it transformation isn't necessarily saying I need to let go of the big stuff, the stuff that I'm really yes. attached to. But if we go back to even releasing a little bit of this negative energy really shifts our perception. When you look at all that stuff you're judging, see the stuff that is so silly that you're unattached and you're like, let me play with a different way of doing it. Let me come from a place of curiosity. So I'll give an example. When I did this exercise and I filled up easily a notebook and around margins and everything else, I joke a lot of my humor is sarcasm is based on this. Low-hanging fruit to me when I really looked at the stuff. Why was I being so judgy as I was walking around the city yes. and saying, why are these two people together? What are they wearing? I mean, it was so silly that my brain was going there. But I'm like, well, you know what? Let me practice with this. This is easy for me to let go of. And so my, now let me come from a place of curiosity. Now, of course, it's not always easy to change a habit. So I realized quickly, I was saying, I'm curious what they were thinking, but I was doing it very sarcastically. So I was still energetically judging, but I was using the curiosity words. And then I realized, and then I said, no, if I'm really seeing two people together in the past, I'd be like, what's going on there? I'd be like, wow, I wonder what their origin story is. I wonder what it is about them that really made them connect. Yes. Somebody's wearing something really kind of out there, far out. Wow. I wonder what kind of job they're in. And you really practice. And I can't, stress enough practice because we all slip back but you realize sometimes a day later you were being judgmental or an hour later but you train yourself it's almost like paper training your dog and you get in there and you realize even in the minute you're leaning towards being that judgmental mindset that isn't serving you and then you quickly say nope 
curious and you can really start catching yourself. And then that becomes the primary muscle or the framework that you look through. And once again, you don't have to start while you're building this muscle with the things that you're comfortable with. Look at the low hanging fruit, look at the stuff (laughs) that really is just kind of silly and practice with that. And it really makes huge difference. Those energies affect your perceptions, your attitudes, and your behaviors. They dictate how we move through life. Absolutely. And they set the quality and tone of our experience, affecting and dictating how we relate to others. Absolutely. So tell me of a time, like, was there a relationship, either personal or professional, where you caught the energy kind of going off the rails and you were able to kind of lose that? We all have them, so I know that's a leading question. Welcome to my ex-husband, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, definitely uh, myself, as I mentioned. Yeah, what was the thing that you said? How did you reframe the energy and try and either hit pause or kind of close that chapter and say, the next time I'm in? That took literally getting to the end of the cycle, uh, the business closing, and it was a direct reflection of the negative thought patterns and negative energies I constantly lived in. That judgmental state, that sarcasm that was flipped. Yeah. That view of, I just have a sour view of the world. It took about a year of being removed from that and realizing, looking back, how toxic I was in that situation to say, this almost cost me my relationship with the people that were most dear with me. I mean, I love what you just said, because it's basically a fish doesn't realize they're in water. When you're so entrenched in that kind of toxicity and that like really catabolic energy, to be frank, you're feeling it, but you can't see it because you're just immersed in it. And many people I know who have been in those kind of work environments yes. have needed that detox time to really step away from it and get perspective. So it's very, it's very common. The flip of that was I spent that year kind of restructuring, finally rebuilding myself to become that light in the world. And then immediately mm-hmm. was presented with the opportunity to mirror view it. It's awesome. With a client being hired on in a situation as a consultant and seeing that exact mirror of me. What that did was two things. It reinforced that these are all the things that were broken in you prior. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to try and release some of that judgment and say, if you're truly transformed, you have to release that judgment now. It also allowed me to build those boundaries to say, these things will not exist in my life going forward. Yeah. These things, you know, I'm kind of, I'm rubber, you're glue kind of mentality. Uh, yeah, I've had a lot of childhood lessons, I'll tell you. Yes, you know, where... What people say and do is about them and how you choose to react is about you. It's a challenge, but you learn to also not absorb those energies. Sorry, but this is not mine own. This is your baggage. I'm leaving it at the door. And it's sort of that concept of energy entanglement, because also if you're always in reaction, they're always in control. And a lot of people feel like fighting someone, they're getting the power. And actually the the opposite is true. It's really the original person who's trying to keep that toxic, like sort of energy entanglement going. And then when you release and step back, that's when you regain your power. It's like the opposite of love is in hate, it's indifference. It's kind of in there. And often when you do that sort of release, 
those original folks, they double down because they freak out. Yes. They're not used to not having that. And it really gets Oh, that's it. They lose that power. They lose that control. Yeah. And then they finally give up because it's hard <laughs> not to get tricked, right? You have a lifetime of, yes. I'm going to be right. But you get into that racket. I'm right. You're wrong. Yeah. But if you release that and you go back to what you talked about earlier, what's best serving you? Every time you get that wasic, is this serving the life I'm trying to create? Is this serving the peace of mind I'm trying to create? Is this serving? And if the answer is no, sort of recognize, yes, I'm really tempted to go back at this person, but I am not going to engage. Because it's very difficult to create a new pattern and not get into that reaction if you're not crystal clear as to the life that you want to build. And that's why one of the foundational exercises I do with my clients is like choosing ways of being exercised. It's not just what you go after in your life from a goals perspective, but the values by which you want to sort of shape and manifest in your life. So like I'll do an exercise, pick five. Let's say for me, I would say self-expressed, vibrant, flexible, wisdom, and prosperity. And so if somebody's really coming at me or I have a job offer, I have something else, it's something other than historical patterns or what's the money and I can say, is this really of service? And the reality is, if it's not, I either have to shift and kind of go back and counter. If it's communication, this is how I'm going to engage. And then it's up to them to decide to engage differently. Or if it's a job, I'm very clear as what I would contract since I'm my own company, how I'm willing to engage with them. And it really helps to have that true north to sort of check your old patterns. You know, so much of that is rooted in past trauma. Oh, Yes we carry forth those energies that we've picked up somewhere else. It's that baggage in life with as much as I hate that kind of terminology that we're carrying around baggage. There's a, a truth and realism in that. Oh, absolutely. Now the beautiful thing about that analogy though, is we have the power to put down that bag. Yes. Fill it up with something else. So sometimes people do go, Oh, it sounds so classic, but a baggage carries stuff. Yes. You get to choose. I mean, because there's also positive baggage. There's a bag. And so what do you want to bring forth with you? Yes, what are we putting in there? um, You know, a lot of times it's, you know, and you don't have to unpack it all at once, right? I mean, I think that's where people also get into an all or nothing. You know, it's better to sort of say, what am I I ready to let go of now? Yes. What am I no longer going to let define me? Because, of course, we've all heard narratives growing up family, friends, environment that we've taken on as truths at times. It's just the way I am or the world is. And when we finally decide to look in the bag and say, you know what? No, that's just what I'm carrying. That is not true. That is not who I am. That is not the environment. Then the healing begins and then we get to sort of really be empowered. Thanks. I'm going to relay a personal experience with that. We talked about writing down, journaling out those thoughts and feelings, those things that are the negative energy that you're struggling with and holding you back. I had this grand gesture of a break where I said, enough's enough because I've created that where everyone else has said enough's enough. I didn't have a choice. They dictated it for me. And in order to positively reconstruct a life, I said, I've got to purge this stuff. Spend a day writing that out in a journal on a paper form And literally buried that, took it out into the woods, dug a hole, put it in the hole, folded up, put a rock on it and said, this is no more. I am leaving this. And from this point forward, every step I take is moving in a positive direction. 
a blank slate. I love that. I mean, it really is a blank slate. And we all have that choice every day. And it's funny, when we talk about these types of things that typically get in our way, we have this acronym that we use oftentimes so people become a little bit self-aware. It's called GAIL, a G-A-I-L. So the first one, G, that's like the mother load of emotional, like, and it's a gremlin. It's those inner messages that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, whatever that I'm not is, that we've adopted as our truth. Whatever the trigger was, and to be frank, they're fundamentally not serving us, making us, like, be in fear, live small, not lean into our biggest potential. And so really working when I hear trigger words, what's going on there, and how do you repurpose it? The A in Gail's assumptions, and we all do this, and it's becoming aware of this. Let's say one of my clients is a senior accountant, and he's applied for a senior accountant position once or twice, and he didn't get it. And he's like, well, you know, I'm just not able to. I've tried, and I'm just going to stay in my company because I've tried twice. And so he's assuming, based upon his prior experience, that that is true. He just thinks that's the way the world is. I is interpretations. So I always joke, we are master storytellers, whether we realize it or not. And so interpretations are when we project onto situations our own sort of creative reality. The funny examples are when people, let's say they're dating, and a woman texts the guy she's dating at 8 a.m. Yes. And doesn't hear until like 8 p.m. There is not a human being on this planet that isn't creating the mother load of soap opera stories to say, oh, he's a jerk, he's using me, he's da-da-da-da-da, or the clip, I knew I wasn't good enough, I knew he was out of my league, whatever that narrative is. (laughs) oftentimes only to find out stuck in a meeting lost his phone whatever else now the chance is it possible that that narrative could be true maybe but they don't know and so much of us stress ourselves out and get into that really catabolic state because we're doing all of that storytelling the last but not least is sort of the l in the gale which is limiting beliefs and that's more externally focused um sort of assuming let's say a certain job you know what, they'll only take MBAs. I'm not even going to bother to try because I know that for a finance job, unless you have an MBA, what's the point? Or sadly, let's see the example of, um, you know what, there's never been a woman president, so there never was. Right? There never will be. Yes. And so, you know, a lot of times when I'm, I'm talking to my clients and I'm really trying to say, what are these things that really aren't serving them? There are all these flags that say, ah, they're creating a boatload of stories that are really ruining their day. Or, you know, a lot of times it's that deep gremlin work. But the nice thing is, we, you know, with your listeners, you know, start thinking about <laughs> in that framework, your inner monologue. We all have this inner monologue that goes on. Typically, there's 60,000 thoughts before us every day. The vast majority of them, sadly, are negative. Yes. It's been statistically proven, and many of them are repetitive. A large portion of that is repetitive. So the good news is, if that is true, there's 60,000, the vast majority are negative, and many are repetitive. If we can reprogram just one, start to catch ourselves, our life transforms. That's the good part about it. So, um, as you can see, I'm really, I'm very mellow about this. Yes. <laughs> I love this stuff because I've literally seen it transform lives. It doesn't have to take years. It really, really does not. Yeah, we have to look at that element that we have certain secret thoughts that we don't always necessarily tell somebody or we hesitate to speak until we're in that moment where we have the negative energy, the toxicity that is weighing us down. We have to come to terms where we find the courage to deal with those thoughts, silence the negative self-talk, and then bring them out of the hiding from the deep recesses of our mind and into the light. 
Absolutely. Now, was there anybody that particularly that you read or classes that you took that really helped you give the tools and techniques to get to help you transform to this new chapter? I don't know. It was more, I'll be honest, it was actually the voice of my fiance as we're dealing with and a break in our relationship as a result of being business partners together, all of this negative energy together, wherein it was my negative energy that created that. And she long had this, you know, you are having these negative thoughts, your negative energy is ruining what we have. And it, it wasn't in a, you're doing this wrong, demeaning thing. It was, this is simply, you have to acknowledge these things. Yeah, so it was an external perspective. You had someone that you yes. trusted and were willing to be yes. vulnerable with, who was at least emotionally intelligent enough not to make you wrong, but to give you this perspective. That's I, amazing. Oh yeah, and at my core, I knew the truth. Kudos to her. I'll be honest, it's very difficult in relationships. Yes. And I know, once again, trained mental health professionals that when they get in their own relationship, it is not easy not to get into that right, wrong, because their own person and their own lives are getting impacted. So seriously, kudos. That's pretty masterclass worthy stuff. Now, I can't definitively say that any one source of experience, because through all of this, I've been constantly feeding and learning the positive side of it, but still allowing past traumas to keep me stuck in operating from that victim mentality, from that toxic mentality. And until I hit that rock bottom of, I'm about to lose everyone and everything that matters to me as a result of it. I hadn't acknowledged that. Yeah, I'm fully going to step into all this. So I finally got all the junk out of the way and said, I'm burying it in the ground and utilizing all of these things that I've constantly fed. That's awesome. And then allowed the other to pull me back. So what do you see is now that you sort of had this transformation, how do you frame things going forward differently? How do you see your, let's start with business because you said that was really yes. impacting the business. So tell me what's different now? Now, it's, it's definitely operating from a space of service to others. Oh, I love that. A space of compassion. That is a great anabolic energy. Yes, and completely. This is my calling. Love it. This is my calling. This is the reason I went through those trials. Yes. I was presented with an opportunity to try to directly step in with the exact situation I had left behind. Mm-hmm. And... Much to the point that that person we know, if someone is ready to coach and evolve, they're ready and they will step into that situation. Obviously, the parties involved were not and they continue to go forth in that way. It got to the point where that partnership dissolved because, okay, no more. They said no more. They weren't getting the responses out of. I'm used to being the bully. I am used to, you know, being the toxic person, the blame. You are the reason why everything is wrong with this situation. When at its core, you are putting that energy into everything you do. Exactly. And literally tripping yourself up and giving yourself a black eye in the process. Literally. I watched that situation unfold. Yeah. It was hurting them. Even though they felt that they were having power, it often, most often, yes. it actually fundamentally hinders someone's performance so to me that cemented i a will never allow myself to drag down that road where i am being the vortex that's dragging others down it's funny it's great that you mentioned that because i mean i think in my own process as well i've really started to listen to my intuition about the energy and that mindset of people that i 
I partner with when it comes to business partnerships and whatnot. Because yeah. I don't care how brilliant they are, how successful they've done, how many millions of dollars they may have raised in X, Y, and Z. If fundamentally, my intuition is saying, and not that people can't have bad days or get angry. That's something different. What we're both talking about is something that's really yes. more fundamentally, almost like the energetic blood type of someone, right? Now, and I think earlier on, I was just very tempted by well, this person's been so successful and they've been this and that. And oh my God, I'd be so lucky to partner with someone like that. And then I was like, oh no, no, yes. no, 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 no. It was so not worth all of the energy and effort that I put in. So now I really, I lead with that and I trust, I truly trust my instincts on it and then just let it go. I really don't second guess it. No, it Let's look at your talk of that seven levels of energy. I know you've pinpointed or you have the line of thinking that we operate on seven levels of energy. How do the different types of energy show up in your life? That's a great question. And, you know, here's the thing, too. Nobody plays in any one space all the time. We're like musical. We go up, we yes. go down, oh, yeah. all around. And, and that's what the way it should be. The question is, where do you more naturally land? And is it serving you? So there's also where you normally are energetically and then where you go under stress. So at the very bottom, at the base, like lowest level, level one energy is really that core catabolic negative energy. And that's that victim thinking. So if you had that core thought, it's like, I lose. So this core thought is victim. Yes. The emotion that comes up is sort of apathy. And then what happens as possibility is really the inability to act, not action. So you're you're stuck and you're just the world, things are happening to you. Obviously a pretty awful place to be. The second level, which is also very, very catabolic, if the first one was I lose, the second level is I win, you lose. So it's that black, white, right, wrong thinking. And it's really a place of conflict. The emotion is really anger and aggression. And what happens from that, not surprisingly, once again, is conflict, it's arguments, it's judgments, that's sort of the process. When you get to the third level of energy, that's where you really start introducing some of this more positive, lighthearted, anabolic energy. Yes. And so the yes. fourth thought, if the original was I lose, and then we go to I win, you lose. Yes. Third is, you know, I win, and yeah, I'd like, I'd like you to win too. And it's this place of cooperation. And sort of what you feel is forgiveness rather than like, you're still judging, but it's sort of like, um, I was just talking to a client about this. He was frustrated by a relative and he couldn't get out of that anger state. And I go, what if you said, let's you say, John, he can't help it. He's just an idiot. You know, now you don't want him to stay there, but it kind of in that humor, it releases that sort of really toxic interaction. I'm right. He's wrong. And said, listen, he can't help it. He's doing the best he can. He's doing the best he can. There's an element of forgiveness kind of let go it's like a teapot that diffuses <laughs> some of that catabolic steam energy can't help it he's doing the best he can and what, what ends up happening is you're able to cooperate so it's like this third level of energy is very much you're rationalized you're letting go of some of this judgment you're owning and what's really important about this level is also you're really owning your own feelings and emotions and actions you realize it's really on you you're neither a victim nor are you aggressive you're saying it's my responsibility What's really interesting about this level of energy, though, because it is based on rationalization, it's great for people who have been stuck and very negative, 
But this is when I work with my clients where people, if they're here too long or it's too much of their life, it's where people settle. We're like, you know, the relationship is good enough. It's fine. What am I supposed to expect? This is kind of what the job's going to be. And you can hear all of the settling language. And once again, at times, it's perfectly understandable. We all need those breaks. The question is how often and how long. And I do have a number of clients that typically come to me and they're kind of stuck here. They're like, am I crazy? Should I be expecting more? So now fourth level though, is kind of what you were just talking about, where you really start to infuse a bunch of energy, like anabolic energy. And it's not, it's no longer I win and maybe you win too, but it's you win. Yeah. We're creatures of habit. Service, this feeling of care and compassion and so that's, once again, what is the action? You're being of service, you're helping. And so it's a very anabolic kind of place because you're finally letting go of what's going on with other people and you're really helping. Now, what's interesting though, because I also have some clients who have a lot of this energy and there's a nuance in there that people have to be careful of, which is um, this concept of service. When is of service really being of service and when is it enabling? You're actually not being of service because you're not letting someone own at that level, like own their own experience, take responsibility, perhaps even fail. And it's that classic, let's say even helicopter parenting. And then you get the I'm of service, I'm of service, and they drop to level one. Why doesn't anyone appreciate me? Yes. Sort of joke with some of my friend, you know, the Italian Jewish mother kind of classic. Nobody appreciates me. Let me help, help, help. But there is this sort of tango that happens between many of the energy levels, and that's one of them. So it's important to be careful about not going too far too fast for the wrong reasons in that service energy. <laughs> Five is really, and I love this energy, it's really an energy of transformational leadership because you're letting go of that, finally, that right or wrong, good or bad. And it's sort of like this reconciliation that yes. every opportunity is possible, regardless of what happens, even if it's not the way you expected, you have the power to create opportunity from that place. And so when you really finally let go of this need to like, there's only one way it can be and you can create from anywhere, there's this wonderful sense of peace, wonderful sense of peace. And what comes from that is this really great sort of orchestration leadership of your own life. And, you know, if you've ever worked for someone who really leads from this, it's like the best job ever because they're really taking you on a journey. Six and seven really are that highest level. Nobody lives there. But six is almost where I like to say it's like level five and you really add your intuition. It's where, it's where we always win because it's a much longer viewpoint. It's really where creativity and innovation come alive because you can see connections across many different things. You can just have this place of creation and innovation. And so some of the most innovative creative folks can tap into, into this energy. Uh, level seven, once again, nobody lives there. You'd be like floating, you know, cross-leg style. Not how we were taught to describe it, but I suggest that. Yes. That, you know, it's your ability to tap into there, though, <laughs> and, and um, deploy your energy with intention. So I used to joke, it's like sitting Buddha style, you know, Dave smoking a joint. It's like, whoa. That's that woo-woo, but I think so often... But, but the thing is, I mean, and it is classic for those who've studied any sort of Zen enlightenment theory, the more you try to describe it, the further away it goes, but it is truly a place of feeling totally connected. Yeah. Everything and all things. It is usually momentary. <laughs> it is not something that people stay often in meditation or try and get there. 
So it's totally normal. But the reality is all of us have aspects of this. And as I mentioned before, there are pros and cons to each of these. And you'd think at the lowest levels of energy, what could possibly be yes. positive? Certainly on the conflict, like I said, there are times to get feisty. Um, friends of mine who are divorce coaches, I do not do that. You know, getting some of their clients to fight for themselves and not just sort of feel stuck and sorry and depressed. Yes. And really starting to fight for their voice and their life. That's an important place. They wouldn't want them to stay there. Likewise, even level one energy has its time and place. It allows you to heal. It allows you to acknowledge that, you know what? I need to accept help. I need to just sit with this. I always tell my clients, give yourself a timer. Like, give yourself a timer. You know, say, yes. you know what? I'm going to mope a little. I'm going to order in some Chinese, get a bottle of wine, and tomorrow at noon, I'm going to get back to action. And when you honor whatever you're feeling, it makes it easier to move through it. What's kind of cool about this, all of this, What I, I have an assessment that actually tells clients exactly what they are right now. And so unlike many of the assessments that are out there that are like, this is how you're wired, like a Myers-Briggs or a Hogan or a DISC, and it's kind of who you are and you're either doing it well or not, this energy assessment really is just a, a temperature check on where you are right now. And so when I work with folks, they can see in six months, ah, because of the things that we've worked on, been able to completely shift and get back more of my power, do things with more intentionality. So like I said, it's really been, I think when people hear energy, they think more woo. It has been really transformational for my more classic, you'd never think an engineer or a lawyer or a tech guy would relate to this. And yet it has been, you know, or like an ex-Wall Streeter, but really powerful tool. To me, that's bothersome that we look at, A, you know, woo-woo, why do we battle so much with that woo-woo side of things? When we look at that at our core, B, woo-woo is all of the energy of the universe that's the mystery, the unexplained, our God source, or whatever source of our being originates from. Well, I think people put armor up because it's hard for yes. people, particularly in charging careers, to have a chink in the armor. It's going to say yeah, that, you know, maybe, but I don't know. And if, and if they feel like if they let down the wall, they take down the armor, that they'll fall apart. Yeah. And that's why yeah. having someone like yourself or me who've been in hard charging careers to say, it doesn't have to be that way. You have someone that can help steward, who understands what you're going through, understand the environment is still very high performing and we seriously does not have to be mutually exclusive. You know, we look so much at that energy and the woo-woo side of it as vibration. We look at energy that does bring it back to a logic. Yeah. We can measure and monitor vibrational energy. There's several ways to do that. And to me, it's most inspiring to look at light is the most effective way to monitor and, and measure energy. I was doing some research on that this morning. Yeah. Light being the best way. You know, to me, that's it's really relevant in one simple fact that we can all look at the equation that we can simply see the difference between a light switch off in the dark yeah. and a light switch on where things are light. And there's so much symbology in that, and it's so easy to explain. Yeah, because, I mean, listen, I love that metaphor for the reason, too. It's taking your default sort of wiring in your default yes. being and putting it into conscious choice. So, perfect example, light off, light on. I've had clients who came to me and thought, they're going to work with me to choose an entirely different career. At the end of our six months together or a year, they've rechosen exactly where they need to be, and it's completely empowering, and they've never felt more fulfilled. 
Yes. So oftentimes people think the fulfillment is an other when many times it's exactly where they need to be. And maybe they're doing it differently. It's a mindset shift. I sort of have a joke. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into potential clients and they've literally used this example. I wish I could just quit and open a bar on a beach. <laughs> All the time. I mean, that exact phrase, I don't know if yes. it's from a show or something, but I've heard it so often. <laughs> and once again, I use my humor as a way. My clients, the ones who hire me, know this is my thing. If they only knew, I will preface that with, if they only knew the opposite side, because so many people Look at that vision. I had that vision once of my dream is I'll open a restaurant. How hard can it be? It's making food. But you're still you doing it. So my yes. mind would be, well, you could, <laughs> but you'll probably just be a sunburnt, miserable asshole, not just a miserable <laughs> asshole. And then they laugh at me. They can't believe, like, no, I'm like this. And I'm like, seriously, all yes. things considered totally. Like, uh, if the alcohol distributor came two hours late and you had an appointment, how would you react? <laughs> like, oh, I'd be losing my mind. I go, so let's not, like, let's parking lot the beach. Our idea, that may still be true, but if you're really going to get what you want out of it. But you can't. <laughs> like, work on yourself first, work on your mindset. So either you're triggered, you're not, and you know what you're getting yourself into. Because we all bring ourselves with us. And so, for example, like, I do tend to get called from, you know, I'm an executive, high-performance coach, anybody who sees billions, I'm Wendy, with less leather. And they think, I just want to talk about work. You know, I'm here to make sure I'm in high performance. I'm the best leader. Yes. I'm running X, Y, and Z. And of course, within a few sessions, every single time we get into life. Because who you are at your work is who you are at home. It's who you are everywhere. And it's like without fail. And listen, I'm there to be of service to them. I'm never pushing an agenda of where they need to examine which nook and cranny of their life they really feel will bring them forward. But almost without fail, like within a couple of sessions, they realize that in order for them to really move themselves forward, they need to think much more broadly. Yes. Back to looking at that whole aspect of, I was curious, you know, and I've got the curious mind, I've got to find answers. How to break that down for the analytical mind? How do we measure yeah. what frequency we're at, where our energy literally is at? And first off, it's totally fluctuating second by second by second with every breath we take. Absolutely. But we get a sense of how that feels. We get a sense of self-monitoring and measuring how our words coming out. You know, how are we responding? How do we feel we are interacting? That's totally woo-woo. Yeah. What's well, almost giving you know ourselves I mean? our own Geiger counter? What's yes. Going on? Like, yes. Ah, okay. Before it would just be happening, like the nuclear toxic. Now we're hearing that, dee, 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 and we go, oh, wait a second. I better look to see what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, that, that got me a step further. I said, you know, well, if we operate on certain frequencies, we know sounds travel at certain frequencies. We hear certain things, you know, an annoying high pitch sound. Oh, boy, yeah. But the, to me, that was a fascinating flip. Annoying high pitch sounds are very often at a very high frequency. So that was a conundrum to me to look at that for one. Mm -hmm. Then also looking a step further, well, if we operate on certain frequencies, what frequency does God or our source operate on? I searched that and I come across an interesting fact. It was a little mixed with the approach, but there was a gentleman out there by the name of Reverend Peter Popoff mm -hmm. that had done some research on that and established that there was a God frequency 
that operates at 39.17 megahertz. Wasn't really sure how they arrived at that number, but I said, now that's fascinating. I wonder, and what do they mean by, I'm curious, God frequency? There again, you know, the guy is operating from his base mm-hmm. as a pastor. So what is the frequency of whatever source being, whatever source energy? Yeah. That's how I'm equating to that. They turned it the God frequency. What frequency does the voice of our creator act upon? Now he went through this whole convoluted thing of kind of conveying how we relate to that. And he used that throughout his ministry. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit of a, a different path to look at. I'm not going to dive down that today. Yeah, and absolutely. And it's important, too, which you're bringing up, is there's a lot of different doorways into this conversation. And the key is finding the ones that, whomever, if like for his congregation, that really resonates with him and they, they see him as the shepherd. And to them, they understand that there's some higher frequency that has connection to everything and, yes. and really brings it all together, then awesome. And if for somebody else, it's some other lens, and for somebody else, it's another lens. The key is it's a Rubik's Cube, different sides to the same cube, as far as how we get there. Yes, you know, and to me, that, I thank you for that. That brings everything right back around full circle, that it all comes back to how we're relating to every interaction we have in our being. Yeah, and to the point on that one is how is the other person hearing us? Yes. And are we, not only, like, what, what are we trying to say? But how do they need to hear it so that it really lands? So it really makes the impact that we're looking to have. It's very easy to go on autopilot and just assume <laughs> everyone's wired like we are. And some are, and you know, many people do live in echo chambers if folks start it themselves. Yes. But even then with that, we all stylistically have different wiring that allows us to relate to a conversation in different ways. Yeah, imagine if you would, just for a second what it would be like to tap into those private and personal conversations with that higher being these drop on God, so to speak. <laughs> you know, how amazing would that be when we can find that place? And, you know, are we capable of it now? To me, that's just an open book to leave out there today to look at. How do we tap into those higher powers? That's my thought for ponderance today. Love it. So I want to look at one more thing here with you looking at five ways we can identify and overcome toxic thinking within ourselves. I know this is a proponent you're big on. Yeah. I mean, I think we've touched on a number of them. Uh, First of all, self-awareness. Really starting to get clear about that inner narrative. Because if it's just running, we don't know. So that self-awareness is key. The other thing is the judgment that we talked about. Like this classic black, white, right, wrong kind of framework. It's just, it doesn't serve us most of the time. It really doesn't allow for possibility. And like, as you experienced in your own work environment, and then which bled into your personal life, it just, it really disintegrates relationships and possibilities. I think another one, and I haven't always talked about this much, but I'm hearing it more, so I'll bring it up, is comparison. (laughs) Right? There's a lot of toxic thinking that is based upon comparison. Yeah. Why am I not where Johnny is? And why don't I have the house that Susie has? And that is just a rabbit hole. We all are running our own race. And I think particularly because of the explosion of social media, that has become a real rabbit hole of toxic thinking. 
because we don't really know <laughs> what's going on. We just have the picture. We have the Insta post. We have the Facebook post that look like everything is glorious. And more times than not, they're just really good marketers. And listen, God bless if it really is as good as it looks because the world needs more happy fulfilled folks, but their path is different. This moment may be perfect, but their past really is. And so that's why, you know, particularly when I work with my clients and I hear some of that happen, yes. what does success look like for them? Because it's probably different than their neighbor. Maybe there's some similarities, but what are they trying to manifest in their life? So get back to running their own race and the actions that they can take in that regard. I think, you know, and I think you did this really powerfully and it's another thing that I'm sort of, I think, Yes. Leaning into more when I'm having this toxic thinking conversation is being of service. Yes. Just be of service for a bit. Like just shift the focus because toxic thinking is very self-serving. Right? It's very, very internally driven. And simple gratitude. Yeah. Be grateful so for be the people grateful. in your life. Yeah. Like just stop that thing and then go into service for a little bit. And it can be little things once again. Sometimes I know folks feel like this sounds like all of this work. Yes. But it's the tiny micro changes of our thinking and our actions that really make a difference. So let me tell you, like all of a sudden, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I open doors for people today. I know we're not out as about as much now with COVID, but what could I do to make somebody's life easier? What is there a connection I can make for them that would really make their day or make their business? What are like a little, a thank you note? You know, I was thinking about you today and I'm so yes. grateful to have you in my life. Little, tiny things. Oh, every day. Say that to at least one person, you know, whoever you meet, <laughs> how grateful you are for the smallest of things, the greatest of things, or just, I am grateful to be here with you. Absolutely. So it's these micro changes. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. You want to like really be on the board of a nonprofit. And <laughs> really awesome. But the life changes, the energy shift happens in these moments and setting intentions that you're going to create these moments because we're all. Yes got too many balls in the air we all have a lot of stress of course who doesn't in this environment there's so much we have to take on but if you don't put it on the agenda you don't think about it and if you forget to think about it another day it's okay today i'm going to make sure i somehow weave this into how i'm going to be today it's not just what you're going to do today but how you're going to be and it really shifts things so yeah yeah, so often, like you mentioned, we're stuck on that autopilot. And I love that analogy you make of it being like the self-driving car. But it's got a will of its own. And until we break that will yep. and make the conscious choice to shift where it's going, we're stuck in that pattern. Yeah, you're just stuck in that yeah. lane. Yeah. You know, maybe the, the <laughs> stuck in the wrong is lane. always leaning left and you got to... We've got to take back that ownership and become the author of our thoughts and our energy. Yep. Plain and simple. That opens us up down the road, I think, to look at a lot of other areas. As I go forward, how do we increase that vibrational energy? That's you know, it's it's a woo-woo subject, but to me that opens up a path. Of consideration, and that's something I, I want to look forward to in the future. So I thank you for bringing that thought to me. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> well, this has been such a fabulous conversation. Uh, yeah, I was I was really excited to jump into this one because it was such a personal and impactful thing to me, having witnessed how badly those negative thoughts can drag your life down. Absolutely. 
and destroy, be destructive, create all of that resistance, all of that self-inflicted wounding. And it's exactly that. You might as well be the one punching yourself in the face. Exactly. Yes. Well said. It's that old adage, you can only beat your head against a tree so many times before you realize your error in your ways. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us today. I am so grateful and so honored to have you here, Carrie Ann. Tell us, where can we go to find you to find out more and share more of this amazing energy of yours? This was great. Really, thank you for your time. Yes. Sure. So first and foremost, I just redid my website. So love traffic. I will not even try and be shy about that. So it's www.vibrant.com. That would spell a little different. I'll explain why. It's V-Y-B-R-A-N-T-E. And you'll love the expression of why. I'm not a bad speller. <laughs> say it again, B-Y-B-R-A-N-T-E. Yes. Because my company's premise is to unlock individual, team, and organizational vibrancy. You have to understand your why. So that true north. And in the end, that E, it's all about your E factor, your energy. That's awesome. That's so awesome. So website, lots of free resources, by the way, folks, that really are exercises that can help videos to really help shift perspective on LinkedIn. You can find me under my name, the funky spelling I'll blame on my mom. It's a uh, Karian K E R R I A N F O U R N I E R. And um, yeah, I'm always open to emails to Karian at vibrant.com. I'm on your typical Facebook, LinkedIn, Insta, all the things you need to do these days. So That's awesome. There are some really great videos on there. I've been enjoying those over the last several weeks as we've interacted. Really a lot of great stuff there. So go out and check that out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Again, I would love to have you come back again and talk with us soon. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Nikola Tesla once wrote, If you wish to discover the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. In Autodidact, Walter Russell shared this gem. The great unanswered question of man has a simple answer. The silent voice within every man is ceaselessly whispering it to his awakening consciousness. How do the different types of energy show up in your life? How is this energy manifesting as the light inside of you? Are you aligning this light, allowing it to shine to others? The energy you choose in life becomes the life you choose to live. It is light that shines within us all. As creatures of habit, examining and changing our negative patterns is the key to unlocking our inner power and aligning with our authentic truth. When our knowing exceeds our sensing, we will no longer be deceived by the illusion of our senses. Change your thoughts, your words, and the way you use them because your words have power. How are you using your words to inspire? Carrie Ann and I would like to know. Drop us a line on social media at The Light Inside, share this inspiring message with a friend, or leave a positive review on your favorite podcast platform, letting us know how this episode inspired you to let your light shine. Joining us next episode is transformational coach and keynote speaker Jeff Nishwitz, author of Walking Backwards to the Present on the Camino Trail. We share a meeting of the Jeffs in this conversation asking, 
If I was not me, who would I be? Exploring how we grow neither better nor worse as we get older, but more like ourselves. Join us for this exciting and thought-provoking conversation by tuning in next week to The Light Inside. And remember, to you, our valued listeners, we are grateful you joined us. From all of us at The Light Inside, we give you this shining reminder. Lighten you is the light in everything. Be a light to others.